Hey everybody, this is Mark. Welcome back to another episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast. Changing things up a little bit because variety is the spice of life. And just changing the feel of the beginning of this podcast. I hope that you are going to enjoy this episode and stick with me right on to the end. I've been absent for a couple of weeks. No excuses. Life just happens. We're going to talk a little bit about life today. I want to talk to you about the subject of contrast. I want to talk to you about how are we supposed to help people who are experiencing darkness, shadow, difficulty in their life. How do we help them to process it? How do we process it in our own lives? I think this is helpful. It's been helpful to me anyway, and I want to share it, I want to share it with you. So I hope you'll stick with me right to the end of this episode as we talk about contrast on today's episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast. Let's get started. So, the subject of contrast and suffering and difficulty, well, there's no getting away from it, right? I mean, we know. We know that everybody struggles, everybody has a difficult time. Understanding it is something that's completely different. Whether you are a theologian and you get very deeply engrossed in the topic of a theodicy and the nature of evil, how evil exists in a good world created by God and all the different ways that we explain that, whether you are a determinist or compatibilist, whether you are of the Reformed tradition that, regardless of whether you will admit it or not, is the belief that everything, even the evil things that happened, are ordained by God and had to happen that way for His glory, whether you believe that evil doesn't need to exist. There's so many different ways that people talk about and process and try to understand the nature of evil, the nature of difficulty. And I'm not going to try to solve that entire problem on this podcast today for two reasons. One, it's only a 30-minute podcast. The second reason is because I don't think it's possible to solve it completely. I think that it is a problem and a puzzle that we are going to deal with until we are with the Lord. And I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with that at this stage in my life. But I do want to talk about it because it is an important thing for us to uh, to think about. It's an important thing for us to process. It's an important thing for us to have an answer for, especially as Christians and as pastors, when we're trying to help people who deal with very, very difficult circumstances in their life. I'll start by sharing a story that a man in our church shared publicly. And that is, he took us to Psalm 27 on a Wednesday night at our church. Wednesday night at our church, we have uh, it's Bible discussion time. Anything's on the table. You can ask questions. You can share something that God has spoken to your heart about that you think would be an encouragement to us. Um, you can ask a question about a difficult passage of Scripture or a difficult topic. Um, and so this man took us to Psalm 27. Let me just read a few verses from Psalm 27 to you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the, se- in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, he shall set me upon a rock. That's just down through verse number 5. There are 14 verses, and all of them are wonderful. This man is in a very difficult position. He is a local government official in our town. And like most small-town politics, it can get very heated. He's a Daniel in our community. He's one of God's people in a position of power. And he faces a lot of controversy. And it wears him down. And he shared with me, with all of us on that Wednesday night, he said, I've just been struggling so much. And then I read Psalm 27, and it just arrested my attention. And it spoke to me in a way that it's never spoken to me before. Now, this man has been a Christian for decades. He's been in our church, I think, more than 30 years. And he may have been a Christian longer than I've been alive. It's always a great privilege for me to be able to pastor people who have been saved longer than I've even been alive. But he said, I've read this hundreds of times, but it's never meant what it means to me right now. And I just wanted to say thanks to the Lord for this passage, which spoke to my heart. I had been thinking about the subject of contrast, about the subject of difficulty, about the subject of light and darkness. I guess this started when I've been going through John and couldn't get farther than the first chapter of John when John begins to draw the correlation between light and darkness, uh, Christ being the light and then darkness being in the world. And uh, so anyway, I've been been debating and going back and forth over that topic. And I had been thinking about this subject. And when the man said it in, in our Wednesday night, I said, thank you for sharing that because that is a perfect example. It encapsulates what I've been trying to express And that is, Psalm 27 has always been Psalm 27. And you have read it, and the words have never changed, nor have their meaning ever changed in all of the times and all of the years that you have read Psalm 27. It has been the same. But one thing is different. One thing is different. And that one thing is the difficulty that you have been experiencing. He's been going through a valley in his life. He's been going through a darkness, a shadow. And it was in that darkness and shadow that the meaning of Psalm 27 took on a light that it had never taken on before. The author Dostoevsky, which I know you just read every day, is 
not always credited, but is, to my understanding, the one who coined the phrase, the darker the night, the brighter the stars. Now, normally you hear that, the darker the light, uh, the darker the night, the brighter the light, because we like things that rhyme. But I think when we say the brighter the light, we miss some of the meaning of what Dostoevsky was after when he said, the darker the night, the brighter the stars. And that is because the stars have the same brilliance no matter what time of day it is. Right now, as I'm recording, I'm looking out my window, and it's a bit of an overcast sky, but yesterday it was a a brilliant blue sky, and I couldn't see a single star, but they're out there, and they're shining, and their brilliance, the lumens of each star, is exactly the same day by day, obviously with the, the minor fluctuations, but you get my meaning. What makes the stars seem brighter from one time to another is the level of darkness that surrounds us. And we understand darkness and shadow are almost universally um, associated with difficulty or evil or tragedy or suffering. And the light and sunshine is almost universally uh, associated with good things and blessings and happiness and joy. I find that to be incredibly interesting, but it is the way it is. And so when Dostoevsky said, the darker the night, the brighter the stars, he was setting up for us the contrast or exposing to us the contrast that the more difficult, the deeper the darkness, the more potential there is for the light to become more manifest to us. When I was a kid, I used to, you know, we'd have a flashlight and we'd take it to camp with us. And we had those old flashlights. You remember those old plastic flashlights? You probably can still buy them, but you remember you used to get them from Walmart and they were cheap and you you had the D cell batteries in them or the C cell batteries in them and you take them to camp and you turn them on and it wasn't light like today, like the whole center of the beam was, was less bright than the outside. But anyway, you had your own flashlight and we would always turn them on. We'd turn them on all day long. And, you know, you notice if you turn on a flashlight in the middle of a brightly lit room, uh, you can barely see the beam shining on the wall. But in the middle of a dark night, that beam seems more brilliant. It seems brighter. But when a flashlight is competing against the brightness of the day, it's not always as evident. It's not always as obvious. We know these things, even if we don't take time to think about them. But in the darkest night, the flashlight seems more powerful than in the day. What does that have to do with Psalm 27? Well, what it has to do with Psalm 27 is this. The truth of Psalm 27 is the same in daylight or dark. But it was written about darkness. It was written in a time, perhaps, of darkness. Just read the words. The Lord is my light. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light. The truth is, God is always light. God dwells in light no man can approach unto, the Bible says. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That is true of God as it is of the stars and of the sun and of every brilliant and shining light. But 
when our lives seem to be in the daylight, when our lives seem to be in happiness and ease and relative comfort, the brilliance of the light of God and its presence seems less obvious to us, perhaps because it seems less needful. But the moment that darkness invades our lives, the moment that difficulties invade our life, that is the moment when the brightness of God shines most brightly. Dostoevsky also said, though he's not nearly as well known for saying it, that the deeper the grief, the nearer is God. Now, God is very near to every one of us. I wonder if it's not that God is nearer to us, but more that we sense his presence more in those times. Again, this is a complex subject, and I know there are people who have gone through, as I have, times of of tremendous grief and wondered, where is God in those times? So I'm not claiming to be solving this, again, in any absolute way. But I am pointing out the general truth that it is the contrast of darkness and shadow that makes the light and the highlights more obvious. I like to do graphite art, drawing with pencil and charcoal and white paper. And I'm always amazed that it is the contrast in those pictures that make them the most beautiful. When I first started learning to draw graphite art, as I was studying it, I I read that most graphite artists make the mistake of not pushing the darks dark enough. But the darker you can get the shadows, the more brilliant the white highlights are, and the more um, the more contrast, uh, therefore, it ha- the picture has, and it's just it becomes more beautiful. It takes both shadow and light to make a picture. Take out a piece of white copy paper and look at it and ask yourself, what's so beautiful about this? I mean, other than the fact that it's, you know, it's a nice, bright, but you're not going to frame it and put it on the wall, nor are you going to frame a a completely black piece of paper and put it on the wall. But if you take a little bit of grays, blacks, and some highlights and some whites, and you put them together in just the right formula, just the right sequence, people will stand back and gasp at the beauty of the picture that is created. Every good picture requires both light and shadow. And it's not that I am thankful for the shadow, and yet I recognize that in the case of this man in my church, if it wasn't for the shadow of his daily life in this political arena, the beauty and light and comfort of Psalm 27 may not have meant as much to him. And so we would be wrong, I think, not on some level, to embrace and accept the darkness and the shadow. Because it is that darkness and shadow that brings about the brilliance of Psalm 27. Think about when I was a kid, we used to go swimming, and in Maine, there's not a whole lot of time when you can swim when it's actually warm enough to swim. I mean, the water's almost always cold, 
but you get a little bit of time. But, you know, after a long winter, you just want to get in that, you just want to go swimming. And I remember going swimming as a kid when it, when the air was cold, the water was cold, but we wanted to get in it. And swimming in a neighbor's pool for a little while and then jumping out of the pool and running to my parents' vehicle, which had been sitting in the sunlight, you know, um, bringing in all that heat and trapping it into, in the car and jumping into the car, closing the doors in my skin, goose, goosebumps on my skin and from the cold water and just absorbing the heat that was inside of that vehicle and thinking to myself, this is awesome. Now, there were other times that maybe that heat would be less welcome, but the contrast of how cold I was and how warm that was made me appreciate that heat even more. Have you ever been extremely thirsty and then you finally get a glass of cold water and you drink that cold water? I don't know what that experience is exactly, but I know it's more than just the feeling of thirst being, being satisfied. There's an emotion. There's a, there's a feeling that's, a, that's attached to that when we just, we drink that water and then we just exhale. Oh, that's so good. It's the same water that we just drank yesterday when we weren't thirsty and we drank it because we needed it. But when we were desperately thirsty, as cold water to a thirsty soul, the Bible says, there's some, it's the same water. The difference is the thirst in the soul. And the thirst is a, is a felt need. That there's something about water when paired with the felt need of thirst that creates an experience that is otherwise unavailable to us. Contrast. In our lives, I think it's important to try to help people in our churches and in our, and in our circles of influence to understand that nobody likes the shadow. Nobody likes the darkness. But it is the very presence of that shadow and darkness which makes the light more brilliant. If it wasn't for those contrasts, I think some of what we experience in life and enjoy would not be available to us. I'm a parent. I have four children, ranging from ages almost 19 down to 10 years of age. When I look back over the years of parenting, I have had both good and bad experiences. But if I'm honest, and I'm trying to be honest, Raising children is the majority of the time either shadow, monotony, difficulty, struggle, sometimes just flat-out darkness, with highlights interspersed. I remember the first day I held my first son in my arms. It was one of the greatest days of my entire life. And throughout the years as my son was growing up, we had many highlights the day he got his yellow belt um, in, in karate, the day that he walked across the uh, platform and graduated from high school, and so many times in between, times of laughter, times where he said, I love you, Dad, 
times where as a toddler he jumped up in my arms and wrapped his, wrapped his arms around my neck and gave me that big hug like only little toddlers can give. I love those things. I love those times. But every parent knows that child rearing is not hugs and I love yous every moment of every day. There is a vast amount of difficulty and struggle and shadow. And that's the deal. If you want to be a parent and you want those highlights, you have to accept the shadow, the contrast. The truth of the matter is, if, if, if everything was always wonderful, I'm not sure we would even call it wonderful because it would then be the normal. It takes the times of struggle. It takes the times of darkness. It takes the times of shadow to make us more aware of and more grateful for the times when we are at ease. It is the person who has been sick who can truly and actually recognize and express gratitude for days of good health. Where young people who are healthy and strong and never been sick a day in their life don't really appreciate what it is that they have in their good health. It is people who have had to beg and strive and scrape for their very next meal. It is the starving man who appreciates the simplest of fare, while people who dine sumptuously every day fail to recognize what a blessing that is. You know, contrast is important in our lives. It's loneliness that makes love that much more precious to us. It's weakness that makes strength that much more valuable. Paul said, I'm glad when I'm weak, because when I'm weak, then he is strong. Does Paul mean that his weakness gives God his strength? That can't be what he means. What does he mean when he said, when I'm weak, then he is strong? What he means is, when I'm weak, I, see, I face the need of his strength, and his strength becomes more noticeable. His strength becomes more important in my life. I can appreciate it more. When I don't need to lean on somebody then the availability of that person doesn't mean as much. But there's nothing like a good word when your heart is sad. Contrast matters. Now, I'm talking to people listening to this podcast who are going through shadows and darkness and suffering. And I just want you to think about it with me about this topic and I just want you to maybe consider that what it is that you're going through and the darkness and the shadow are what is going to make the light that much more brilliant in your life. If everything was easy, if everything went well, would you even appreciate it? I can't think of a single movie that I have ever seen that had everything go well. I mean, I don't even think they would make a movie like that. 
I have seen movies that seem to be way too dark and no light at all, and I didn't like those either. The best of movies seem to be those movies where there is a fair amount of darkness and highlights of light interspersed. And the contrast makes for a great movie. That's really the story of the Bible, isn't it? Overwhelming darkness invaded by light, and the light shineth in the darkness. And we can see it and behold its glory because it's so dark. I don't know why we need the darkness and shadow to make the light more obvious to us. Technically, you don't need darkness in order for there to be light, but God created both light and darkness. Well, darkness is the absence of light. But if we had 24 hours of of daylight, how long would it be before we would cease to even appreciate the brilliance of the sun? I don't know. This is one of the things I wonder about eternity. If there's no struggle and and shadow and contrast in eternity, I wonder what will be different about us, how we'll be able to appreciate just the never-ending goodness. Because I know that in this life, possibly because of some deficiency within ourselves, we need the contrast and the shadow. I'm not minimizing your struggle. I have a fair amount of it myself, and I could wish that it was all gone. And I'm not telling you that you're wrong for wishing that the darkness that you're walking through was gone. But I'm reminding you that Jesus said, was it Jesus who said it? Well, it's in the Bible, so yeah, God said, weeping may endure for a night. So this weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I love that verse. Look at what he did there. He associated weeping with the night and joy with the morning, the light and darkness, the contrast, and the joy is going to supplant the darkness and the sorrow. But for now, the weeping may endure. It might. It may endure for a while. But the light will shine. And when it does, the darkness that you've come out of will make the light seem that much more brilliant in the same way that when they turn on the lights after a movie, everybody squints their eyes. It's the same light. It's the same lumens that we we weren't even squinting at before, but the darkness made it that much more valuable. Listen, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that is a difficult place to be. And it is in those times that we can appreciate the presence of God in our life more than at other times. God is always with us. He is always strong. He is always love, and he is always light. But the shadow makes it more obvious. The shadow, the contrast, brings out the picture. I've been talking to this about this with people in my community. This is how I've been trying to help them. I'm very sorry for the contrast, for the shadow that you're going through and this dark valley that you're walking through, but I promise you there is an opportunity that's here as well. In the darkness, look for God. When you're going through a valley, think about that man reading Psalm 27. And if you were not in the dark, would the fact that the Lord is your light even mean anything to you? If you weren't being attacked with the fact that God is our defense, 
even matter? Are we not better people for the darkness? Man, so much more that I could talk about with this, and I'd really like to, but I am running out of time. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, though, and I'd love to hear if you'd like to hear more about it. I've got a lot more that I could say about it, but I'm beginning to wind down. Thank you so much again. You know, the truth of the matter is, in our lives, we face shadow and there is light. There is tragedy and there is great beauty. And it is the presence of both that makes the beautiful picture that we call our life. I'm not minimizing your struggle. I'm just trying to bring some perspective to it. And it's a big topic, and this doesn't answer all the questions, but I hope it helps a little bit. You know, I'm glad that I have the opportunity to share time with you on this podcast. And I hope that this podcast helps you as well. You can always reach out to me, thispoorpastor at gmail.com. If you do and you'd like to talk by phone, I'll give you my cell phone number and we can chat, we can talk. Thank you guys who are pastors for doing the work that you do. We face an awful lot of shadow. We experience it and we walk with other people through their darkness. I know that it's not always easy and sometimes you just need someone to talk to. I'd like you to consider giving me that opportunity. I do it every week with a fair amount of people and I'd be glad to help. Just don't suffer in the darkness alone. And remember, you're not alone. You're not alone. Keep doing the good work. Keep ministering to God's people. And those of you who listen who are not pastors, but you're God's people and you are trying your best to help, don't give in to the bitterness that comes along with the shadow. Look for the light. The light is there. God's presence is there. And I promise that the shadow will make the light that much more brilliant. God bless you, everybody. I'll be back next week with another episode, and I look forward to talking with you then. Have a great week.